Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing? Very good? Hardly doing good? <laughs> it is early. Um, I like it. It's a little bit cooler. Everybody's feet's a little damp. Yeah? I put my iPad on there on the ground for a little bit, and that wasn't a good idea because now it's damp. So that's good. Um, but it is very good to see everyone here today. Uh, can everybody hear me very Am I heard? I'm blasting myself out. I need to move over. All right, so I'll stand right right here. Um, so today is our first day at the 9.30 a.m. slot. I like it. Um, hopefully you like it as well. Um, today I get to speak to you guys about topics that are very near and dear to my heart. Um, I am the student pastor here at the bridge, and um, today's sermon whenever Pastor Ben creates the sermon calendar for the year. He prays and spends a lot of time preparing that. Um, he wrote out the title of this sermon was Crossing the Bridge to School. And so with the, in, you know, how things are right now, uh, nobody knows what's going on day to day in regular life, let alone in the schooling world. Um, so, you know, who knows what's going to happen with all that. So instead of focusing mo mostly on crossing that bridge over into school, I want to talk about crossing the bridge or closing the gap between big church and our student ministries here at the bridge. And I think because if you look around, you I don't think there's even one here, is there? There's no students here that attend our student ministry or youth group. Um, and that's kind of strange, wouldn't you say? That's kind of odd. It's, it's pretty regular. That's not, I know Isabella is typically here, um, and we have a couple others that pop in and out, but we have a lot of students at the bridge who their parents don't necessarily attend our big church, and that's okay. So we get those kids to come in to youth group even though their parents aren't bringing them to morning church. Um, so we actually do have... Uh, quite a few students in our student ministry, and they're all really awesome kids, and they're really great people to hang out with and, and to get to know. Um, but, you know, I would like to see a, a better uh, crossing of the bridge to the students and students to the adults as well, that where there's a better relationship between all of us, and we're all working together for a common goal. And so... Um, just before we start today, I just want to open up just with a really quick prayer. Um, like Leslie said several times, let's also remember um, the people in the nursing home facility. Let's pray for them, pray for the staff, pray for everyone in that that's infected or affected by that. And um, so we'll pray for that in today's sermon as well. Uh, Father God, thank you for this awesome, awesome, beautiful day that you've given us and you've blessed us with. Father, thank you for giving us insight giving us the ability to learn, giving us the ability to grow and get better. Father, we thank you for opportunities to come together as a church family and worship your name. Today, God, we ask that you would help us to open our hearts, open our minds to what you have to say to us today. And Father, we ask that you would give provision and that you would place a healing hand on the ones in the nursing home. Father, that you would give strength, that you would give a boldness to the staff. Father, that you protect them with everything that you have, God. For they are truly doing your work. 
We just thank you, God, for them. We thank you for that awesome community of people. We just ask that you bless each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I was reading through, trying to figure out a good scripture to use or a good story in the Bible to use that would portray crossing the bridge or a gap or closing that gap between a student ministry and our big church, uh, surprisingly, there wasn't a whole lot that was talking about that. There was the typical, you know, teacher children and they won't all those different verses. And I didn't want to use those same cliche verses. I wanted to use something different. I wanted to use something new. You know, we all want to do that. But um, so I was looking, I was reading, I was reading, and I came across a verse that didn't really make any sense when I first read it, but it just stuck in my mind, and I had to keep rereading and rereading it, and, and I just kept coming back to it, even though it didn't really necessarily make sense to me at the time. And the verse is this, it's um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. I didn't write that down. I hope that's right. I, I actually just wrote down what verse it was. I forgot to write that, but I'm pretty sure it's Hebrews 13, 7. It says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. And I read that and I passed over it and I was continued on reading and continued on reading. And I was like, hang on a second. Like, I just felt like I had to go back and reread it. And I did, and I was like, it's still not fitting. I, I want to make it fit, but it doesn't fit. So I just went on with my study and went on with my preparation. But as I began to really think about that verse, it's a short verse. It's two sentences, but there's a lot in that verse. There's like a whole lot going on there that we don't see if you just read through it really quickly. And this is a verse that I use to teach the students here at the bridge that you should look for godly leadership because there's, if you look at the verse in three parts, which you can because it's broke down to three parts, I think. It says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and then follow the example of their faith. So this is the verse that I use to teach the students to look for godly leadership, to look for people who are doing good in the community, doing good and good things are coming from their lifestyle, and also that they are living a faith-led life. So if this is what I'm teaching the students to look for in a mentor, if I'm teaching them to look for this when they're looking for godly leadership, then this is what we as a church should be portraying. We should be people who are teaching the Word of God, who are doing good things in church, in our communities, and also, we should be people who are living a faith-led life. So, I just have three points really quick. It won't take us long at all. We'll get through them. And if you are a note keeper, then you might want to take notes because I have a lot of cool stuff. And I'm really, really intelligent. And everything I say is really cool. So, you're going to need to take notes on all of this. Is everybody good with that? All right. All right. Glad to see a smile. I was seeing some faces like this, like, shut up, you know. I was seeing that. Now I'm seeing smiles. I like that. We're back. We're back. All right. So uh, point number one is teach your children, not only your children, but teach other children as well, other students of the bridge, the Word of God. Now, something that I've noticed that when you begin to teach is that students in 2020, and you can 
attest to this, and you can confirm this as well if you're a parent or if you've been hanging around students very long at all. You know that students in 2020 don't trust like they used to. I know when I was a kid and you would go to church, like you trusted the people who were at the church. That was, you just trusted them. You, that was a given pretty much. And I know that even further back, the further back you go, the more you can trust people, the more you can just go in and be whatever. But today in 2020, kids don't trust like they used to. So if you want to teach students, if you want to have an impact on a student's life, you have to be a trustworthy person. A trustworthy person. So before you ever begin teaching, you have to be a trustworthy individual. And if you think back to all the people who had the biggest impacts in your life, who taught you the most in your life, people who were the biggest. So I know every one of us have someone in our lives that taught us a lot that we look back on and go, man, that they really poured into me. They really taught me a whole bunch about this or about that or about whatever it may be. When you think about those people, I bet that what you think about is they were a trustworthy person. I mean, they have to be. Otherwise, why would you continuously be listening to them and learning from them if you didn't trust them to begin with? So if you want to be a good teacher of the Word of God, you have to be a trustworthy individual. And here are some tips on how you can become a trustworthy individual. Keep your commitments. Keep your commitments. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to bring snacks to your group one night, do that. If you say you're going to come hang out, do that. If you're going to, like, whatever you do, whatever you say, make sure you're following up and you're actually doing what you say you're going to do. No one will trust you or want to learn from you if you don't stick to your word. And that's true. It's very, very, very true. If you're not a trustworthy person who keeps what they're saying, if they're not keeping their word, you will never gain trust. Be honest. That's number two is be honest. It's always important to be honest. And what I've found is that the more I try to be honest is that sometimes it gets me in trouble. One, because not always honesty is um, easy. Because sometimes maybe at work I might do something, mess up. And instead of being like, no, that was this person or no, I, well, I didn't know that I did that. You know, instead of that, just owning it being honest, even when it doesn't benefit you to be honest, like that's what really being honest is. And what I've learned is that there's such a freedom in that, in that you'll never really truly understand what I'm saying until you're just 100% honest with everyone that you come into contact with, because you don't have to fake anymore. You don't have to create these stories anymore. You don't have to, you just be you and just tell the truth. And there's a freeing in that that you'll never understand. But if you want to start teaching and you want to be a person who can teach the Word of God or who can bridge a gap between a student's life and an adult's life, then be honest. Be honest. Especially for our students today. Like I said, a lot of our students here at the bridge, they have been burned by adults more times than you can imagine. Like, They've gone through a lot when it comes to adult relationships. A lot of our students don't have, are not living with their actual parents. They're living in a foster, maybe a foster home situation, or maybe they've been adopted, or maybe, you know, their home life isn't good at all. Maybe they do live with parents, but the parents are just not good people, or maybe they're just going through really terrible situations themselves and, and don't really spend a whole lot of time worrying about their child. 
They're worried about other things, outside motivation, like they're looking at other things in their life before they look at their students or their children. And these are, the, these are the students that we have here at the bridge. These are the kind of kids that we have. They're broken. They've been mistreated. They've been lied to. They've been run through the mud, man. And if you're not an honest individual, if you're not someone who's speaking truth, then they're going to write you off just like they write everybody else off in, your, in their life. Because what are they trying to do? They're trying to protect themselves. They're trying to protect themselves from being hurt again. And they don't want that. So don't be that person that is not being honest, not being trustworthy, not keeping your word. Those are the types of things that will scare a teenager off very, very, very quickly. And something for me that's like an X factor is being transparent. Just being transparent. Be yourself. Why try to be something that you're not? When I'm looking for a great leader, a great leadership, I always think of someone who is a transparent leader. Someone who is honest about where we're going, why we're going there, how we're going to get there. Like, when they make a mistake, they own it, they admit it, they whatever. That's the kind of leadership that I like to follow. I think those are the type of leaders who show great, awesome character is a person who is transparent with me. When my boss comes in and says, hey, I messed up here and I apologize, that was my mistake, that's major to me. That means a lot to me as an individual. And it means a lot to students as well. You would be very surprised because nine times out of 10, a student or another person has noticed you making that mistake anyway. And instead of you just being like, oh, that was this person's fault, that was that person's fault, this was that, this was this, this was this excuse, just owning your mistakes, being transparent, being honest, you will gain trust so quickly just by being honest, being transparent in those moments because they see it anyway, why not just own it? And keep confidences. I remember growing up in church and, you know, think, speaking of like trustworthy teachers and remembering the people who who taught you the word of God. I remember being a little kid and I remember, I bet I remember almost every single Sunday school teacher that I had. I know there was Sister Geneva, Sister Ruth, and there's two Sister Janes. One was uh, long brown hair, one had long blonde hair. Uh, My mother taught for a little bit. My grandma taught for a little bit. Um, I remember these people so vividly. I don't necessarily remember what they taught me. Um, unfortunately, I remember some of it, but I do remember that they tried to teach me and that I also remember that some of them wasn't the type of people who would keep confidences. Some of the people in the church, some of the teachers that I came into contact with were people who would blab everybody's business after church stopped. They're like, hey, have you seen so-and-so doing this? Have you seen that? I've seen it. Do you know who I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? These type of people. Those are the type of people that don't keep confidences. Those are the type of people that will lose trust very quickly because you can't tell them anything. And I even remember my mother telling me as a small kid, don't tell her anything that you don't want told. (laughs) Like, don't tell her anything that you don't want told. She will tell everybody. And so mom didn't want all of our business to be blabbed around church. So, all right, I won't tell them anything. And so you learn this kind of things from a very small child, who you can trust, who you can't trust. And 
right off the rip, a person you can't trust, you will learn this as someone who is always blabbing what you're telling everybody. It's like, well, I just only told you. How did, how did they find out? How'd that work? I didn't tell them. You're saying you didn't tell them. Hmm. Can't trust that person. And I remember there were a couple of those type of teachers in my Sunday school classes. But they were good people. They just would blab, blab, blab. And that, don't be that type of person. Because a student will not confide in you. And I promise you that a lot of students at the bridge, they are looking to confide in people. They want people on their side. They want to know people care about them, that they love them, that they have good interests for them, that they have good in mind for them. These are the type of things that they need. And if you're the type of person that is blabbing and blabbing and blabbing, they're not going to trust you. They're not going to confide in you. Second Timothy 3.14 says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust the one who taught you. Remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. You know you can trust the person who taught you. You will remember the things that are most important from the people who teach you, and you will know that they're true if you can trust that person. If you trust that person wholeheartedly, you know that you can remember the things that they're teaching you because they're telling you the truth. So be a trustworthy person. Point number two in our theme verse, it says, think about all the good that comes from their life. Look at the good that's coming from their life. If you want to see a good fruit tree and you go to a fruit tree and it has a bunch of rotten apples on it, is that a good tree? Is that, you want to eat those apples? How do you like them apples, Ryan? <laughs> Kenzie got it. Good, good for you, Kenzie. All right, so you're not going to go to that tree, right? You're going to go to the tree that has the nice, pretty apples on it, right? You're going, to, you're going to want to eat off of that tree. You're going to want to learn from that person that's doing good things, spreading good vibes. Okay, you want to learn from those people. That's probably why most of you are here. You guys see what Pastor Ben and Leslie are doing in our community. They're constantly being good stewards, doing good things for people in our community, constantly doing, doing, going, going, doing, going. You guys see that, and it draws you in. It just does. It's, it's a... It's, that's one of the things that I came here for because I was like, man, those guys are doing things. They're not just saying things. They're actually going, doing, being a part of, sponsoring, doing these different things. Like, that's what I look for, and that's what you're probably here for too, man. Is, you've seen that, and I want some of what they got, man. That's awesome. Students are the same way. There's no difference there. They want to be around people who are doing good because good things are coming from their life. Students of the bridge are watching you guys. Even though you guys may not, they may not be here at the church, they know what's going on within the church. We, we are filling them in. We're informing them. They know a lot of you, most of them, and they know what, they see your life. They see what's going on. A lot of them maybe are even friends with you on Facebook. I mean, it's like they see what's going on in your lifestyle. But if you're doing good things for other people and you're on E, how effective are you at doing good things for other people? You ever try to do good things for people when you yourself can't take care of yourself? <laughs> like, 
I'm going to keep pouring out even though I'm a mess. Like, I'm messed up. My life is in shambles, but I'm going to keep, I'm just going to keep pouring into others. I'm going to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. That is a recipe for disaster. Okay, so before you can begin doing good things for other people, you have to take care of yourself. Take care of yourself, do good things for yourself, then do good things for other people. When I'm teaching at, at my work, whenever I'm doing our counseling courses, I'm doing trainings with our, with our staff, I'm constantly preaching to them that you have to take care of you first. You have to be full yourself before you can pour anything into someone else. If you look at this bottle of water right here, if that bottle of water is empty and I try to pour something out of it, will anything come out if it's empty? No. Maybe a drop, maybe a couple drops that was left behind. But if it's absolutely full or even half, most of the way full, if I turn it, it's going to just keep pouring, 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 pouring. There's going to be all kinds of water left in there. And it's the same way for you. If you're trying to help others, if you're trying to do good things for other people and you yourself are on E or you yourself have not taken care of your inner self, your being, how can you help other people? How can you do good when you can't even do good for yourself? So take care of yourself. Now, you don't have to be a CrossFit legend. You don't have to be a marathon runner, expert dietitian. You don't have to be all these different things to take care of yourself or to begin taking care of yourself. You can start doing small things every single day that will help you take care of you, that will help you be a better you. Now, I know that, you know, it's hard to make time to do things for yourself and Sometimes we feel guilty for doing things for ourselves or taking time for ourselves, but I promise you, it is of the utmost importance that you do this. You can make small goals. I remember when I started my weight loss journey about in 2016, I didn't start off thinking I'm going to go lose 70 some pounds and blah, 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 blah. I didn't have that in mind. I literally walked up a flight of steps, walked into my office and had to shut the door sit down at my desk and convince myself that I wasn't having a heart attack. All I did was walk up one flight of steps. Well, I was carrying a thing of printer paper too, but I mean, but come on, I was 26 years old, walked up one flight of steps and literally thought I was having a heart attack and was going to die. Was like bent over double in my office chair, <gasps> sucking wind, really, really sweating. I was in really not in good shape. And embarrassed really that's why I shut the door I was so embarrassed because I was just those like 50 year old women were running up and down the steps all day and they they're fine and here I am a 26 year old man I can't even get up it was terrible I did not set out that day to lose a ton of weight I didn't set out that day to do anything I just told myself I'm going to start running a little bit so that I can breathe when I walk up these stupid steps and so whenever I did that I started running you guys know how long I could run before I had to stop Somebody want to take a guess? Anybody? 30 seconds. I could not run for 30 seconds without stopping because I would just, I'll be in side stitch agony. Anybody had a side stitch before? They still don't know what those are. They're from the devil. All right? That's what they are. They're from, straight from the devil. Uh, the side stitch. I hate that. They don't know what causes it. I, I don't know. It's weird. So anyway... I would get side stitches, I'm doubled over, I can't breathe again. I'm like, this is a mess. So my first goal, you know what it was? 60 seconds without stopping. That was my first goal. I wanna run 60 seconds. 
If I can do that, man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing great. So I take off running. I finally get there. I get to 60 seconds. I'm like, dude, I can do this. Let's go for two minutes. So I get two minutes in, and I just keep making small goals. Let's go three. Let's go five. Let's go 10. Like I just kept making these small, small goals. And this recent, earlier this year, I ran for like 72 minutes without stopping. And so, I mean, you can do these type of things if you are constantly doing those small things every single day that make you a stronger person, that make you a better you. And you will be full of vigor, full of life. You'll have so much more things. I'm not just saying physically, but emotionally. And then, so we take care of those things. We feel good about those things. Then you start taking care of yourself spiritually. Well, you should do that first, really. But spiritually, you have to be able to take care of yourself. You can't count on a Sunday morning message to get you through the entire week. You just can't. Some of us come dragging in and we're thinking, man, I hope I hear something today that gets me through this week. And I'm guilty of that some weeks. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I'm guilty of that some weeks. And I'm hoping that Pastor Ben has something for me, man, because I need something to get me through this week. I'm guilty. But honestly, guys, we can't, we cannot depend on a single service or a single sermon to get us through our entire week spiritually. It's not enough. If you drive a, a big vehicle like Albie, she cannot put gas in the Tahoe once a week. She just can't. Especially when she was driving to Ironton every day. She could not put gas in just one time a week. She had to do it several times a week. If she did not, she would run out of gas. Actually, she did that once. Pretty funny, if you ask me. Yeah, right. Excuses, excuses. Anyway, you can't just put gas in once and then expect to be okay. It's the same for your spiritual life. If you're not continuously praying, reading your, like, just pray every single day, read every single day, worship every single day, spend time with God, do a devotional, just have silent time, take a walk, pray, read, do something. Talk to a best friend. Do a Bible plan on the Bible app. I love the Bible app, man. It has been so awesome for me. I get such encouragement seeing you guys starting plans, finishing plans, making highlights, making those Bible verse photos. I, that is so encouraging to me. You guys have no idea how encouraging that is just for me. That reminds me every single day when I get a notification on my watch or my phone that says, Andrea just finished another Bible thing. I'm like, Man, she's finished 500. I'm still on this one that I keep forgetting to read every single day. Like, it, it encourages me to go read. If you don't have that Bible app on your phone, get it, man, because it's really cool. There's a large community on there, and you can stay up with people that are doing awesome stuff. And sometimes it'll make you feel bad, like, I need to be better. But a lot of times it'll make you think, I, I'm going to do better. I'm going to go Make sure that I'm reading every single day. Even if I just pop on there to read the verse of the day. I think right now I have a really long streak going, like 258 days or something like that. I'm really pushing it, pushing it to the limit. I'm trying to get a full year in, 365. I'm going for it. But some days I just pop on there and just read the verse of the day because I feel like I'm too busy to read the Word of God. But, you know, that's just me being honest. Anybody else do that? But I at least get in there and read that every single day. It's important to do these things for yourself spiritually, to do these things for yourself physically, 
And don't be afraid to treat yourself when you do something small. Whenever I started running, I wouldn't allow myself to go buy a pair of running shoes because I was the type of person at that time in my life that once I started something, I would do that for maybe a couple weeks and then I would move on to the next thing. And then I would move on to the next thing. I would start reading a book one, one day I would get about halfway through it, quit reading it, and pick up another book and start reading it. Like, I could not finish stuff. I was just having a lot of trouble with that. So I told myself, I'm not going to go spend a bunch of money on a pair of running shoes when I know I'm probably just going to give up on this anyway. So I told myself, if I can get to running 10 minutes without stopping, I'll buy myself a pair of running shoes. And I finally did it. I remember where I was at when I did it. I was at the Garrison Elementary School running around that loop, just all just running. And I got to about eight minutes and 30 seconds and thought, I can't do this. My, my sides were hurting. The devil was in my side again. And I was like, I just can't. It's too hot. I got to give up. I'll get it tomorrow. But something in me was like, no, man, I want those running shoes. Like, I need them so, because I'm sick of these old Nikes that I had on. And they're hurting my feet and stuff. And I was like, no, I'm going to get it. So I ran and ran and I got 10 minutes and I went on Amazon that night and bought a brand new pair of Asics Gel Nimbus 17s. It was my favorite running shoe ever. Um, they look very similar to these. That's why I wore these today. They were blue, they were green, and I loved them. And they're the most comfortable shoe ever. And I love them. But the cool thing was, is that since I rewarded myself for doing that, now I have encouragement to keep meeting another goal because I can keep treating myself. So when you're doing these things for yourself, when you're pouring into you first, treat yourself when you make an accomplishment, when you achieve a goal, treat yourself. I'm not saying go out and buy yourself a brand new whatever and like spending all your money and getting into financial debt. I'm not saying that. I'm saying small things. Reward yourself. If you're doing really, really good, you want to eat a thing of ice cream eat the thing of ice cream or if you you did a whole week straight you got a whole week on your bible app and you have a whole week thing going and you got a perfect week reward yourself do something nice for you do your nails do something for you do whatever but treat yourself make yourself feel good those are the things that encourage more of that behavior when a kid does something really good what do you do you praise them for it and they're like, oh, I want to keep doing that. I want to keep doing that because I want that praise because it releases endorphins in the brain and all these different things that are going on. When a dog does something good, what do you do? You give it a treat. It knows that I'm going to get a treat if I do this good thing. These are the things that you have to do to trick yourself, to train yourself, to continue doing good things. Don't be afraid to treat yourself. And once you finally get to a place to where you are full spiritually, you're full physically, you feel really good, then you can start doing good for others, and you'll be so much more effective in doing those things for other people. You'll have so much more vigor, so much more enthusiasm. You'll be more likely to help and just jump in and do things. When everybody else is still feeling like, well, I hope Pastor Ben says something this week because I need it. No, you'll be like, I don't need him to say something. If I, even if he doesn't, this message doesn't speak to me this week, I'm still going to be okay because I know that I prayed up, I've read up, and I've been worshiping all week, and I know God's with me no matter what. And so these are the type of things that you can do for yourself. You can be volunteering, or you can do for others. Sorry, you can be volunteering. You can pay it forward at restaurants. You go through the McDonald's line, pay for someone's food behind you. Those are really cool things. I like when people do that for me. That's nice. But I always have to, one of these days, I'm just going to like accept it and not keep it going. 
and just accept that gift. Because I usually just end up buying the person's behind me. But one of these days, I'm just going to accept it and be like, huh, that was nice of that person to do that for me. Maybe. We'll see. Mow a neighbor's lawn. You ever done that before? You ever just mowed your neighbor's lawn and they're like, what are you doing? I've done that before. I got a lot of weird looks. But, you know, you just let them know, hey, I'm just doing this to be nice. I'm not doing it because it was too tall or anything. You know, mow your lawn more often, buddy. You know, I'm not doing that. not doing that. This is just me being nice. This is just me being kind. Do that. Care for widows. Does anybody know any widows in their life? Anybody? Care for these people. These are the people who we need to be focusing on as a church. We have to be taking care of our widows. Sister Joanne is awesome. She is a beautiful, beautiful person. Spend time with her. Call her. If you want her number, we can get your, her number. She loves talking on the phone. She loves visits. Take care of our widows. We, they need us. They absolutely need us. My last point is living a faith-led life. Live a faith-led life. What does it really mean to live a life of faith? When I think about that, I start thinking about the people in my life who I consider to be like those really faith-filled saints. You know what I'm talking about? Do everybody know these type of people in their life? The ones who they're like, oh man, they're filled with faith. Like I think of like Bonnie and I think of Ernie and Karen and I think of Mary and the other saints within the church. And I think about our pastors and former pastors that I've had who've really poured into me and who are just faith-filled people. And I'm like, well, but what's the criteria that makes me think that they're faith? Is it just because they've been Christians for very long periods of time? Or, or what is it that makes me feel like someone's leading a faith-led life? And these are the type of people that are asking for prayer. They offer prayer. They quote scripture. They say things like, if it's the Lord's will, have you heard this? If it's the Lord's will, but the Lord will and the creek don't rise, those type of things. They say those things. They say, let me pray about that first before I answer. Let me pray about that situation before I do it. They say things like that. These are the people who are relying daily on God for their instruction. They're not just saying, hey, blah, blah, blah. They're actually waiting for God. They're actually praying taking time to hear what God has to say about a situation. Being a faith-led person is just believing that God and Jesus will lead you and guide you in the way you should be going at all times if you'll only trust in Him. And you'll put your faith in Him, put your trust in what He has for you. In Hebrews, the Bible says that we cannot please God without faith. In Matthew, it says that you will receive what you pray for if you have faith. In Ephesians, it says that if you that you've been saved by grace through faith. In Corinthians, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And in Ephesians, again, it says that we take up the shield of faith, and this is able to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. Faith is so important, and the disciples knew this. They asked Jesus one day, they said, God, give us more faith. Give us more faith. They didn't ask for more money. They didn't ask for more fish. They didn't ask for more. They asked for more faith. They knew how important it was to have faith in their life. When's the last time you prayed to God and said, God, give me more faith. I need more faith today. Does anybody remember when that was the last time you did that? I had to check myself. It's been a long time since I asked God to give me more faith. 
I asked for a lot of things throughout the day. I asked for strength not to strangle people. I asked for, uh, I asked for a lot of strength not to strangle people, okay? So I deal with a lot of crazy people sometimes, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, I asked for a lot of faith, okay? Not a lot of faith, but a lot of strength. I asked for patience. I asked for a lot of different things, but I cannot remember the last time I said, God, I need more faith in you. I need to have more faith that you're going to deliver your promises that I read in your word. I need more faith that says that you're going to take care of me when I can't take care of myself and that you love me when I don't love myself and you love me when I don't deserve to be loved and you forgive my sin when I don't deserve to have sin forgiven. Like, I need more faith to understand that. Not just to understand it, but just believe it. The disciples knew this. Live a faith-led life. People can see when you're relying solely on Jesus. They see this. They know when you are living a faith-led life. The students of Bethesda, or, oh, I said Bethesda. Wow, isn't that odd? Anyway, the students of the bridge, gee whiz, flashbacks. Students of the bridge, they need you more than you can possibly know. They really do. The students of the bridge, They need more godly instruction from leaders, from people in the church, from adults in the church. And for those of you, you may not have been here, but you may have been here. Uh, About two years ago, I did a sermon um, on teenage suicide in our society, in our nation, with it being the number one killer of teenagers in America. And uh, we went to a youth convention and just wrecked mine and Alvy's world, man. We just completely wrecked us. To see all these students that just admitted that, hey, I've either thought about committing suicide or I was going to do it tonight or I was going to, you know, like they were just being honest and just being forthcoming with everyone. And I preached the sermon the very next Sunday that I was able to preach that. And in that sermon, I decided that I was going to do something to combat that, to stop it. I wasn't going to wait any longer. And so I preached that sermon and I, I started brainstorming ideas, and I started getting involved with the Sources of Strength group at the high school, and I've been volunteering with them, and I've been financially helping and supporting that, and, you know, just like, whatever I can do, I'm here, you know, letting them know that I'll do whatever. If you need me to come in and talk, I'll come in and talk, whatever, I'm here. Just use me, whatever you need. And, uh, you know, that's a small thing that I've tried to do, and I've tried to do other things, but since that time, and I don't know if any of you know this, but since that time... Two of our very own students here at the bridge have actually tried to commit suicide. And one of them actually has tried multiple times. And these are the types of things that our students are going through in today's world. And without good, godly leadership, without good people in their life who care about them, who are letting them know that they love them and appreciate them, like they're lost. They don't have people in their life right now who care. They don't have people that are willing to step up and be a mentor or step up and do the things that their parents or the lack of aren't doing. So when I began to think about students who are harming themselves, and I, so I started to think, well, maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe I, as a student pastor, maybe I'm not teaching well enough. Maybe I'm not caring enough. Maybe you start inward blaming and doing all these different things, but I know that I know that our students know that they're loved here at the bridge. I know that 
if they know nothing else, they know that Albie and I and that the leaders of this church, that they love them, that they care for them, that we'll drop whatever we're doing to come help them, do whatever we need to do. They know that. So how do we bridge a gap between a group of people who want to help and a student group who need help? How do we bridge that gap? How do we start to connect the two? And so Alvy and I have been brainstorming on this for quite some time, and so now we've come up with this idea to do a mentorship program to where we have a couple adults in the church who are going to be working with the youth, working with the kids, and we're going to start trying to intermingle like that. And we've actually reached out to a several people within the, the church, and a lot of them have reached out to us as well. And a lot of people have agreed to be the first mentors of the bridge, and I'm super excited about that, very elated. Um, and actually, I want to pray for those people and just um, bless them this morning. But I just want to encourage each and every one of you, if you are here today and you think that, oh, Dusty and Albie have got it taken care of, they got it handled, they don't need help, I, I promise you that you're very, very sorely mistaken. We absolutely need your help. We need you to pray for us. We need you to let us know that you care. Let the students know that you care. Volunteer your time, talent, treasures, whatever that may look like to you, however you feel like you can help bridge a gap between a student and the big church. I, I'm all ears. If you have ideas, if you have concerns, if you have thoughts, we're all ears. We want to know. We want to hear what you guys have to think and what you guys have to say because we want to see students flourishing. We want to see students growing. I want to see students in morning service, first of all, and they'll do that more when they gain more of our trust and they gain more of everything like that. So um, just really quickly, I know she, you don't want me to do this, but Andrea has agreed. Um, she's agreed to be one of the mentors. Um, Br Brittany, Sylvie, Sammy, Kelsey, Todd and Sandy have actually agreed um, to do this for us. Um, have I missed anybody? I don't, think, I don't think I have. I think those are the people we have right now. And so they have agreed to take on a couple of students and begin helping mentor them, um, doing Bible studies, you know, doing things like that with them. And I just want to bless you guys this morning, pray for you guys this morning, because I think that in my eyes, you guys are heroes. Okay, you guys are doing amazing things. And I, I love you guys and I appreciate you doing that. I really do. And you have no idea the impact that you can have on a student's life just by showing them that you care enough to even sign up for a program that does that. Just doing that in itself is going to be monumental to the students, I promise. So I just want to pray for you really yes. quickly. Yeah. I will. Okay. Uh, just really quick. Uh, Father God, thank you for these awesome people. God, I just ask that you would bless them. God, that you would um, use them. And that you would just give them blessings, God, that you wouldn't normally bless them with just by being obedient to you, God, and, and doing this. God, I ask that you would open up the heavens and just pour blessings down upon their life. Father, give them good, godly leadership. Give them encouragement. Father God, touch their lives. Allow them to be good stewards and help them be great leaders for all the people here at the bridge, God. I just pray that you would just touch us all. Give us all heart for students. Give us all a heart to believe that we can make changes in lives, that we can bridge gaps between a generation. Father, we thank you. We love you so much. 
and we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Pastor Ben did also mention that we have um, our three-person rule, which we do. Um, Here at the bridge, no student is alone with one adult, period. That's just, that's not ever going to happen. We're always going to make sure that at least two students and one adult or two adults and one student, we always have three-person rule no matter what we do. And that's not going to change even with this mentorship program. So what we're going to have is we're going to have two students per adult or maybe two adults for a student, um, however that looks. But it will not be a one-on-one conversation. It will not be a one-on-one mentorship type of thing for the safety of the students of the bridge and for the safety of the mentors as well. Not saying that I think that anything would ever happen between that, but you just never know. And, you know, Albie and I, we practice this every single Sunday, every single event that we go to, everything that we do is a three-person rule. Every student knows that rule. If they don't know any other rules at youth group, that's the one that they, I guarantee they know it. And it's just for the safety of the students, it's for the safety of the mentors as well. Those are the types of things that we can do to be diligent and making sure that we're staying trustworthy for these students and that we're staying safe for ourselves as well. So no student will be left alone with an adult. Um, We'll have probably, like I say, either two students for the adult or we'll have two adults for the student. So um, with that being said, uh, if you are here and you have a desire to be a mentor, then reach out to Albie and I, or Albie and I, sorry, Albie and I, and we will help you get you plugged in, do what we need to do. Um, If you're here today and you feel like you've been um, failing on your spiritual side of pouring into yourself, then I want to pray for you as well. Um, If everybody will just bow their head and close their eyes really quickly. Um, This is a a point in the message where, you know, it's it's your turn to respond to what God has been saying to you. you Each of us have, you know, in a long message like this, there's a lot going on, but God can speak to us individually in a in in a sermon no matter what's happening so if you're here today and nothing specific but if you're here today and god has spoken to you and said something to you during this message i just want to see a hand raised if he said something to you or if he's challenged you in some way i'd like to see your hands because i want to pray for you this week absolutely amen i'll pray for that amen awesome god sees your hands that's awesome So I will be absolutely praying for you that you will act upon what God has told you during this message. And maybe it was just literally that Dusty's crazy. I don't know. Or maybe it was that, hey, you need to do a little better. Or maybe it was, hey, you're doing really awesome. Keep it up. Whatever that may be, I'm just going to continue praying that God continues speaking to you, that he continues using you. So if you're here this morning and you feel like I need to do better taking care of myself spiritually. Why don't you raise a hand really quick? Do better taking care of myself spiritually. Amen. Thank you for being honest, being transparent. I love it. Me too. Me too. I need to do better too. If you're here and you need to work on your trustworthiness, Maybe you're not as trustworthy as what you would like to be. Maybe God spoke to you at some point during that portion 
If you're here and that's you, raise your hand really quick. Amen. God sees that hand. Awesome. so amazing, guys. Thank you guys so much for being transparent this morning. I appreciate that. It's in these moments that I promise God can begin working with you when you are just completely honest with yourself and you're honest with Him. That's when true change can begin. You will begin to see amazing things happen in your life when you start getting honest with yourself and you start getting honest with God. So let's pray really quick. I'm just going to pray for everybody who raised hands. Father, thank you so much for honesty. Thank you so much for speaking to us, God, in a message that was had a lot going on in it. Thank you, God, for being so amazing that you can pinpoint each one of us individually and speak an individual sermon right to our hearts, right where we sit. God, I appreciate the fact that you care enough about us individually to do that for us. God, today I ask that for each person that you spoke to, each person that you pricked their heart, God, I pray that they would begin to act, that they would begin to have more faith in you, God, that they would read your word, that they would take care of themselves spiritually, God, for those people who need to work on trust issues, Father God, I pray that you would begin to help them be more trustworthy and help them start to make goals to set for themselves to be a more trustworthy individual. We love you, God. We thank you for everything you're doing. I thank you that you love us when we're unlovable, that you forgive us when we're unforgivable. I thank you for healing. I thank you for this church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.